and welcome to another episode of I'll Be There For You, a podcast about pop culture and coping. I'm your host slash producer slash snack mom, Lindsay Ennett, and every episode I bring in one, or in this case, two very awesome people that I admire to talk about a piece of pop culture or two that has got them through a difficult time in their lives. Why am I doing this? There are like so many pop culture podcasts, you're probably overwhelmed just like thinking about what you're going to listen to on your commute. I get it. I really love talking to people about the things they love and about how they practice self and community care when the world is literally on fire. My guests today are the hosts of one of my other favorite local podcasts, Beyond Queer Stories. This is our, this is, I'll be there for you's first crossover episode. Uh, Donna and Ashabi are the hosts of Beyond Queer Stories. And can you tell us a little bit about Beyond Queer Stories? Sure. So Beyond Queer Stories is a storytelling podcast that highlights queer stories. Uh, We like to give space for people to tell stories beyond their queer identities, but we also highlight stories about queer identity as well. So we highlight one person an episode. We have new episodes every Monday. Um, Yeah, and we try to also raise the voices of identities throughout the queer spectrum. Cool. And for each of you, what's been your favorite episode so far? Good timing. We just talked about this. Yeah, we did. Um, um, I think I have two favorite episodes. Um, we recorded an episode with one guest whose name is Joel, and another episode with our other guest whose name is Rory. And Joel's episode, I really liked because he literally came from like the bottom up, and he's gone through so much. And I was like a doctor, and he's in like he's counseling, he has some practice, he has other people in his practice, and it's so awesome. And like, he talks about pop culture, and he's a drag queen, who also does storytelling, and like, just like, such a, he's, he's still like a good person, and he's so fun. It's and, incredible. Yeah, I know, it was like really heartwarming. Like, I really got to see where I could go for myself, and how he was so unapologetic all his life, and he got to this point, and it was just basically really eye-opening for me because I'm like in that space where I'm like being more authentic in myself and it's like slapping me in the face so I have to like tone it down or just not care and see where it goes for me and he's kind of like well this is me being my authentic self being successful so it's really nice to see that imagery and depiction and my other episode would be worry and that's only because worry is like so sweet (laughs) like we vibe so much and like our episode, like, they came on yesterday for another and we, like, spent, like, half the episode talking about, like, Captain America's ass, which was, like, totally <laughs> to the, the thickness of the story. And then, like, she, they told their story, and, like, when they told their story, it just really sort of struck a chord with me, because, like, everything they were saying, I got and understood. And then we ended up going on a tangent about, like, guys and how they're trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just nice. Those are my two. Yeah, so those are two, I think, of the most memorable episodes for sure. To list a couple others, two other ones really pop in my mind. And it's really hard to pick because they're also unique and also amazing. So I also kind of feel bad picking favorites. But one of them that stands out for me too is a guest we had named Nathan um, who has a very different with some similarities to Joel's story in terms of like getting a PhD in mental health coming up from the foster care system and really struggling getting through 
a system that wasn't set up to help people really succeed um, and working his way through that and finding people who wanted to support him and mentor him and help him get where he's at today. Um, so that story really touched me a lot. And we briefly talked about things like student loans, where once you get to that successful point, there are still obstacles and hurdles because it's hard to get there without accruing debt as well. So I really connected with him on that. Um, and then the other one that comes to mind is one that we recorded and then we talked for like an hour or more after we stopped recording with Kevin. Oh, and no. <laughs> that one we talked a lot about pop, pop culture, actually. Like Kevin talked about the influences of Britney Spears and Prince and people who really influenced his art and his performance. So he is an artist in many ways, multimedia artist, and really talked about the influences of pop culture and how that influenced him. But he just has this energy about him that just kind of like draws you in and makes time pass really quickly. Um, and talked about growing up a witch and having this interest from a young age and his um, Christian religious grandmother feeding that interest which just threw me off because you wouldn't expect that. No, that's so super interesting. And would sneak him books. And it was just really cool. He just has such a great vibe and energy. And we stopped recording and we just kept talking for like over an hour. I'm like, oh, I have to go home and go to bed at some point. <laughs> it was just so incredible to just sit there with him and talk. I like those as well. Those all sound amazing. And we'll uh, put a link to those episodes and others in the show notes. In the interest of full disclosure, I have also been a guest on yes. Beyond Queer Stories and it was super fun. And you should follow that um, at, at Beyond Queer Stories on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You, I know you're always looking for new guests and new stories. Yeah. And, and can I just add, you were our very first guest. Ever that ah. we recorded it, so you have a special place in the journey of our podcast. You two have a very special place in the journey of this podcast as well. Um, it's interesting that so many of your guests have brought up pop culture. That's what we're about today, and just so much of the queer experience is tied into pop culture and relating to pop culture. Whether we're talking about, you know cult films and the John Waters canon and stuff or more contemporary examples. I'm of course blanking right now. (laughs) Were there any kind of queer cultural icons that influenced either of you growing up? When I think of my growing up, I don't really necessarily, I don't really thought about queer. I usually just thought of them as like a celebrity or just a person. And like a lot of times you don't really realize how much you relate, you relate to that person until like your future gets drawn out and like as society gets more comfortable with identifying certain things you realize that person is actually xyz and it's like oh whoa i'm actually xyz is this why i actually relate to that person and like i don't really think you can think of anybody right now who really did that for me not because they're not queer mostly because i just can't like communicate connection right now so i think you should go I did on the way here I was thinking about it and I was like oh I want to have something like relevant to bring up during this and actually when I walked in here something came to mind because now it is new and fresh and back when this show actually started I was very much not out I came out in my 30s so my childhood and like grade school through high school like I had nobody in my community, in my family, in my friend group, 
um, who was out. And I think that played a big role in me coming out so late. But I remember being fascinated with Queer Eye when it first came out. And I was like, these people are real and they're really amazing and so happy and living their life. And I really connected with it and felt, I don't think I understood why I connected with it as much as I did, but I just never wanted the episodes to end. I just wanted to like watch them and take it in. And then when I heard it was going through a reboot, I was just so excited. And the reboot is like phenomenal to like do something with a reboot and have it be so great and touch so many people. I was just so happy because I was like, how are they going to top what the original was? Because the original I loved. Um, so now I find myself reconnecting with it in a new way, which is great. I love it. It just makes me feel so good and cry. <laughs> Happy tears, but definitely cry. Uh, I'm about halfway through season three right now. Mm. Uh, the episode I stopped on was the one, um, with the, um, where their makeover E, um, recently lost his wife to cancer. And I'm just mm. like, oh, I cannot. I cannot watch this right now. Oh, yeah, that was a hard one. But um, really great show. It's a really, I think, do you think Antony can cook? No. Okay. Antony is like such a fucking, okay, I love Antony so fucking much. I'm going to swear so much on your podcast. I will click the little explicit language marker. It's fine. <laughs> like, Antony is such a little cutie and he fucking knows it and he's playing on his cuteness and adding this like little level of like oh well my dad is a Parisian chef blah, blah, blah. my mom raised me in the fucking mountains blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we cooked food outside on like this wood oven and we caught our fish in the lake and that's how I'm a chef like, no you're a chef if you go to school you know <laughs> study make this your freaking life Anthony did none of that. He's fucking pretty, and he likes to think that he can make all these things. He fucking made grapefruit and avocado for a dish. I said, like, what dish? Who, who's going to, like, oh, make this for your wife. Like, who, I, I would slap you if you made this for your wife. Where's the food I'm supposed to be eating? Like, Anthony's just cute. He knows what he's doing when he plays on it. He's realized that he's not a chef. He's, like, played that down a little bit more as the seasons have come, like, move forward. And he knows he's cute. And I keep saying that he's now posting more shirtless pictures. And more like, <laughs> here's my body. Not like, I'm a chef. Here's his dog. Blah, blah, blah. Like, he is like peak player, peak like finesser. He is just something else. So no, Anthony's on a chef. It's the uh, Ashley Parker Angel school of Instagram oh thirst. Oh my God, I love Ashley Parker Angel. Do you follow Ashley Parker Angel on Instagram? Should I follow Ashley Parker Angel? I, I knew him when I, was, when I was like in grade school. Like I was in love with him. Why do I not know who this is? Okay, so Ashley Parker Angel was the front man of a boy band called O-Town. They were the first making the band band. And Ashley Parker Angel has the world's thirstiest Instagram. It is just photographs of him in his underwear. Um, How old is he now? I'm really terrible with ages, so (laughs) I'm going to not even touch this. Um... I mean, my guess would be his late 30s. I don't know. Um, in the where the boy band chronology is. But but they'll all be like with some question like, kids or pets, which is better? And it's like, you have a son. Yeah, or like, what's your favorite cheat day food? Like, it's, he'll like, 
Oh it's gosh. but there'll, there'll be pictures of him looking super thirsty. That's hilarious. And it's it's so truly a sight to behold. <laughs> we will also be putting this in the show notes. <laughs> going back to going back to Queer Eye, do you look back at all on the original? Have you revisited it all since the new one came out? And I haven't. I would love to do that and see what I think about it now. Um, what I like about the reboot is that it's not just a bunch of white cis straight men. Mm -hmm. They've really like broadened that, which I think is great. Um, I do remember being frustrated with it just being like the same type of person, like just some guy who can't dress himself in the morning and is a slob is basically like the theme of the original. So I'd like to go back and watch it and see like through the lens I have now, how I would take that in. So yeah, that'd be interesting. To some degree, our understanding, like the collective cultural understanding of queerness is mm-hmm. much different than it was in 2002 or whenever Queer mm-hmm. Eye, the original Queer Eye first aired. The other thing is it's it's become less about focus specifically on the grooming and mm-hmm. the and the style choices although if i never hear the words french tuck again it will be too soon i love french tuck though it is a good look it is a good look it's it works for everyone i I would never i do not begrudge tan france or anyone else for encouraging a french tuck but am i remembering correctly too like that originated in the original didn't carson also do french tuck all the time I need to revisit it to I'm see. <laughs> yeah. Also, a couple of those guys really have staying power. Ted Allen still is out here hosting mm-hmm. Chopped. But I like that the new show is more about, it's less about we're going to put you into this mold and focus on these very specific things. and mm-hmm. More about getting you comfortable in your own self and learning how to, you know, value and take care of yourself. And I, I think those are lessons that are Mm-hmm. important for everybody and also i've enjoyed watching jvn's figure skating journey on instagram so, so wholesome so wholesome he's like friends with michelle kwan now and what i'm missing i need to go follow him he also has a podcast yes it's very good <laughs> don't a couple of them have a Karamo has a podcast now yeah, too, I believe. They all have a podcast, <laughs> and they will eventually. Anthony will have a podcast. I don't know what he would. I don't know what he would talk about for forty minutes, but sure, <laughs> I could see Tan actually having a very like fun and great podcast. Yeah, yeah. Tan, hire me. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Ha- so what? Uh, pop culture things that have um, gotten you through bummer times have you brought in for us today? Whoever wants to start, just jump in. When you say pop culture, are you referring to like music, celebrities, or literally anything? It runs the anything media, any media thing. It could be a TV show. It could be also be a person or a celebrity. That's mm-hmm. also totally acceptable. Comic books, like video games, people have talked about all kinds of things. I just listened when we were listening to your car. One of the, your guests came on and like talked about Kingdom Hearts, and I freaked out. Devin! <laughs> yes! Like, I love Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. I won't be talking about that. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah, take your time. It's, like, such a heavy question, because it's, like, you rely on, like, so many things, and you don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. I think for me, growing up, anime, so, like, Dragon Ball Z, Sailor Moon, Cowboy Bebop, all of that stuff really got me through a lot. And, obviously, Pokemon, if you count that as a game and a pseudo-anime, anime, I think those... Definitely put me, like, 
for me, I think those really hit me the hardest because A, they're cartoon characters. So you didn't have that like human-esque like relationship with them. And they all like had their own like storylines. They all had their own building up character themes and all that stuff. And like you really got to connect with all these characters. And me, I came from a really like not so emotional household where like crying was like not the thing that you were supposed to do. And me and my sister watch these shows and we'll get so in our feelings and like cry and like over just like the littlest things. Or sometimes it's like really, really heavy stuff. Like we were watching Cowboy Bebop and this episode revolved around this guy whose sister couldn't see and he was doing really sketchy things to like get money for her surgery. And like she'd be sitting there waiting for him and she he would come by and read her a book. Or, like, bring her books in Braille so she could read them. And he, like, the main character, Spike, he and him, like, kind of got together and, like, were running, like, he was helping him get money for his sister. And, like, Cowboy Bebop takes place on, like, Mars, but, like, in space. And basically, like, Spike is, like, a space pirate with his crew. And this guy's, like, in the middle of, like, doing this thing. And like, long story short, he ends up dying, and he ends up getting money for his sister's surgery. And so his sister takes off her blindfold, and she's like, where's her brother? And oh, no. He's not there. And when I tell you, I'm, like, trying to cry right now, but, like, when I tell you, like, tears, pure tears came down my face and my sister's face. My mom came and was just like, why are you crying? And we're just like, <laughs> and she's like, it's just a fucking show. Like, don't worry about it. And I'm like feelings <laughs> like it was so like like it was so great seeing that like having that outlet for just emotion anger or like, like anything's on them and just like turning it off and like, going to sleep and waking up and like going about the day like that was a really big thing for me and it's still a big thing for me now like i was still watch anime because it's just like so great and like storylines are great and animation is great and that's just something for me to like completely detach from like society and like things that give me a headache whenever I wake up, it's just like there and makes me feel. Makes me feel. And what do you think it is about anime specifically as a genre? You know, if you want to highlight the shows like Cowboy Bebop and Sailor Moon that you watched specifically that allowed you to connect um, and process your feelings in a way that maybe other shows or experiences hadn't before. Well, I'm only using. Um, these animes because like this is what I grew up with there are tons of other like <laughs> shows that will like mess you up but these ones Sailor Moon, Cowboy Bebop, Dragon Ball Z like even Pokemon like these had elements of like strength and like um, not even just like mental strength it's like not even physical strength like emotional strength like Sailor Moon was based around like a bunch of high school girls who didn't know what the fuck they were doing and then like, they're finding out that they're actually, like, guardians of the moon. And, like, the main character is, like, the queen of the moon. And that she has this destiny she has to fulfill. And she's, like, a reincarnate. And it's basically, like, when before the term was, like, coined, it's, like, a really strong women and strong, like, girls. And they're taking it upon themselves to protect the people they love without, you know, resorting to such aggressive violence. And, like, sometimes the fights will end in the conversation and it'll be okay and just having that element i'm not not even like thinking about it and how people are thinking about it now just like having that sort of like strong female role model growing up and like 
wanting to be like a sailor moon wanting to be like a moon guardian like just having that like sort of drive really stuck with me and looking back on it now it's like oh wow that was a really big deal back then and people didn't like like it like even in sailor moon oh my gosh there's a lesbian couple and japan's like ahead of the game in regards to like representation <laughs> i remember when it was it's sailor uranus and sailor neptune, neptune. Yeah. yes like they were a lesbian couple and when they brought it to the u.s like they made it so sailor uranus was a, like a guy like more like masculine than feminine feminine and like i didn't even realize that that happened until like i'm looking back at it now i'm just like oh oh, <laughs> oh no Whoa. i mean no shame but also that's a really big thing to omit but also, you stream watched Sailor Moon. Yeah, like it's kind of like how they like how they like mess up with um, Arthur and like how Mr. Ratburn was married to a guy in, like America and like not America but like in the U.S. overall, like in Alabama, they made her made him like marry his sister or something. Like I think it's better. <laughs> I think it was that. First of all, I'm so happy we finally talked about a gay rat wedding on this podcast. <laughs> And I think it was that they just didn't show the episode. Yeah, no, yeah. they didn't show it. Like, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but they rewrote it so he would marry a woman. Uh, so I'm not sure if it's true or not, but either way, it was just like that censorship is still happening and mm-hmm. it's so wild. And like, this was those like underlying things you didn't really think about when you were younger. And looking back at it now, it's like, wow, what if I didn't like watch this when I was younger? What if I watched like freaking like Power Rangers, no shade, but like, <laughs> like anything else aside from like, these shows that have like all these dynamic characters and like stories and like even like Dragon Ball Z it was, it was like a fighter show like there was so many more like elements of like emotional development with one set of characters is Bulma and Vegeta and like Vegeta's like the Prince of Saiyans and Bulma's like this incredibly smart like woman who's built like half of the city because she's just so good with technology that she knows how to do that and they end up together and like Vegeta's so angry all the time because he wants to like be Goku and like he's just like nemesis but not really just somebody who wants like aspire to be and Vegeta's like no emotion, no emoting at all. He's just very stone cold. But when Bulma's in the picture, like she'll mess with him, she'll like play with him, and you see him like emote, and you see him like break down these like walls of like masculinity when he's like around her. Like even when she's hurt, he'll like freak out. He'll like completely try to protect this woman because he loves her so much. And so like weird how all these things are just intertwined. Like just little hints of like what it could be if people actually just like took the time to like behave like this. Or just watch these shows and see that you can be a manly man and still emote. You can be boss ass bitch and still be a mother and like do all of these things and be emotional and all of the things that are required to be human. It's just so many things. And especially like I feel like the TV for from when we were growing up was, you know, I was seven or no, I was probably nine. I was like at peak age for the Spice Girls and like girl power, but it was still pretty aggressively gendered. Like if you were a girl, you were the pink ranger, you were the yellow ranger on on the playground. And and that was kind of it. So being able to kind of see other ways of being when you're a kid is super important. Mm -hmm. So looking back on it now, um, how do you feel that that watching those shows and being able to have that outlet to process is like impacted you? How do you like what's your relationship to those shows now? So I still watch all of these shows because I'm a child and um, I no judgment. This is that's that's a 
cardinal rule of the, the pod is never qualify the things you love as long as they're not hurting anybody. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, well, I still, I still watch all of these shows now. And it's so funny because some of my friends and I are still like, really into Dragon Ball Z. Like, we went to the theaters to go watch the new Dragon Ball Z movie that came out. There's a new Dragon Ball Z movie? Yes. It's so good. It's so great. And it's actually canon, so it actually follows the plot, which is not typically Dragon Ball Z, because Dragon Ball Z has, like, so many different arcs, but this followed the plot, and it was really cool. And, like, being able to, like, have that still be relevant, because they rebooted Dragon Ball Z, and they also rebooted Sailor Moon, but not in, like, the best way. The animation was really bad for a minute, and then it got better. But just having these things still reflect what I used to watch really that not validates but like makes me happy because it kind of tells me that even though my parents were like not about being emotional they like let me be exposed to shows that let me be emotional and having that be a part of my personality is something I'm really grateful for because not a lot of people have the opportunity to be as emotional or be able to emote as freely and unapologetically like some people grew up watching really like not too friendly, kid friendly shows and feeling like they have to be this way because this is the person they look up to and this is what my family exposed me to, and this is what my family reinforced and all these things. And just having that be something that I can, I don't know, look back on and be like, yeah, no, these are still things that I feel are relevant today. And the fact that I saw when I was younger just confirms that I'm thinking the right way and like doing things properly. And it just makes me feel like continuing on that path is going to be great for society, question mark? It totally <laughs> is. And for our listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with anime, can you recommend an anime for when you just want to get fucked up, like, emotionally, oh. and you just need to, like, have that release valve, like catharsis like the way some people like watch videos of soldiers coming home and being reunited with their dogs like that kind of that kind of feeling and one that's good for just like fun escapist like self-care okay so with me watching the anime that i do when you said like feeling i immediately thought of one anime and it's like so wild and i don't know much it's recommended because of how like intense it is like Nothing good comes from this anime if you watch it, so I'm not sure. But I kind of want to recommend it. It's so good. So, mm, Just follow your heart. Okay. So the person I'm thinking of is, I think it's called Devil Cry Baby. Yeah, Devil Cry Baby. And that one from start to beginning is wild. Like, it's just insane. And it's on Netflix. I think it got an award for um, animation. And the storyline is just like, I don't even know how to, I, you have to watch it. Like you have to like sit down and watch it. If you watch it and you have feelings, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had feelings. I still have feelings about it. Another anime I think people would like to watch would be Mob 100. And that one isn't on Netflix. I think it's on like Crunchyroll. But it's basically about like this kid who gets taken in by this guy who's like kind of his mentor and the kid is like a crazy psychic like he has these insane psychic powers and the guy doesn't have any psychic powers but employs the kid as his like person to go like exercise things and he takes the credit for it and like it's a whole like thing where he's developing into like this person where he is more confident with his powers and doesn't need people but also like relies on people because like 
makes it happy and makes its powers more like prolific. <laughs> and it's a really good show that doesn't involve too much violence and basically gives you more heartfelt feelings about lessons like you're learning as you're in that age of like being unsure who you are in regards of life and friends and occasion all of that. I think those two, like in regards of really, really intense anime and just like really heartfelt anime, those two would be the ones that I recommend. Awesome. I cannot wait to check this out and be emotionally devastated. You're welcome. <laughs> Don, you're up. What is your your thing you you'd like to share? Well mine was queer eye. That's why I brought that one up. Oh cool. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Um, so I'm sitting here like trying to see if I could think of another one and that's the one that comes to mind because that was my queer connection and that's was my first exposure to queer people. So that ranks pretty high and it's hard to top that because it was like always something underlying for my whole life that I just like never had anyone to connect to with. I guess kind of like a secret, right? Like watching it and being like, oh, people don't know I'm watching this because... I'm feeling some kind of way about my identity. I'm mm-hmm. just watching it because, like, it's a new show that everybody's into right now. And also being able to watch it challenge masculinity is something I really appreciated because it's, I mean, the old one even was a very emotional show. And being able to watch those gender norms be challenged because, I mean, now I study gender, so I've always, like, had all these thoughts about just gender not making sense and gender norms not making sense. So it really validated some of that for me before I really knew how I connected with it in a deeper way. So yeah, I was like sitting here thinking about it and I can't think of anything that really tops that show for me because that was almost like a quiet thing nobody knew what I was connecting to. Later, obviously, it became more clear, but yeah. And kind of walk me through that experience, like after, you know, coming out to yourself, coming out to others mm-hmm. and then revisiting Queer Eye, either the reboot or the original, what was, what was that process like for you? I was so excited when the reboot was announced because I think it did send me back to when the original came out and I was very, very much not out. And I was out to myself. Well, no, I was still in denial even when I was like having thoughts of, I always had this scenario in my head where like, I'm just going to have this experience with women and then I'm going to go marry a man. Mm. Um, So that's how I kind of convinced myself in my head it would go. So even then, it was validating that that would be okay. But when the reboot came out, I was very comfortable in my identity. So it was a different type of excitement. It was like, oh, I'm going to connect with this. And hearing that it wasn't just going to be men on the show was so exciting for me. Like, I love that they've had lesbian women on the show and couples on the show. Just, like, it's amazing to see how they've broadened that. And it still feels validating to me. Like, it's validating in the way they're actually breaking down, kind of like you said, like bringing more discussions in about authenticity and identity and just like being yourself without apology and just being true to yourself. And that's something that I think a lot of us struggle with into adulthood. And I think that's what I connect more with it now in terms of not worrying about the people who are going to judge you for who you are and just being authentic to yourself because that's how you're going to find your happiness. Like you're not going to find it by shifting who you are depending on who you're around. And it's hard. And sometimes we're forced to like thinking of different environments where you have a lot less power, um, but making sure you find those spaces where you have safety to do that. I think it's essential to being able to be happy. Thinking about or talking about the reboot either, you know, with each other or with um, 
other queer friends or people who aren't queer? I mean, I guess like what what kinds of things have come up? What kind of questions do you still have? What what are I don't know, some of the the highlights. Well, something that's interesting for me with it, which is another pop culture, like, reference, is that Karma was on Real World. Yes! And I watched Real World, like, religiously until they started fucking with the show and I stopped watching it because now they're just doing stupid shit and they're, like, making it a game and that's just dumb. Like, Real World was the original reality show. And why they think they need to tweak it now and make it something it never was is really frustrating to me. I don't know if anybody's seen, like, the newer seasons, but, like, I think the last season I watched was probably two or three years ago. And it's like, we're going to surprise you and bring all your exes in and screw them. Oh, no. Yeah, and just surprise people. That's what the gauntlet is for. It is not real world. And they just started trying to make it extra dramatic by doing things like that now. And I stopped watching it when they did that because that was the original reality show and I loved it so I like seeing his journey from like his very much younger self-exploring self into like this very mature grounded person that he is now on Queer Eye so I loved seeing him talk about that journey and then his kids being a part of that and like finding out later he had sons and it was just I love seeing him talk about that journey because I also connect with real world so that's an interesting piece of it too. Do you have a favorite real real world season? Oh gosh, that's so hard. So there, I've occasionally gone back and watched like some of the first ones, but in terms of favorites, mm, Key West was really good. Key West was bonkers. It was crazy. <laughs> they all have so much drama, and that's the thing—you don't need to like insert stuff to make it interesting and dramatic like you just put a bunch of people in a house and follow them around stuff's gonna go down people and their relationships are dramatic and interesting that's why so many people i've never fully gotten into this but i know a lot of people that watch terrace house i've never watched it. which it's on netflix it's um it's a japanese reality show where it's same conceit as real world, just mm-hmm. like a group of people living in a house mm-hmm. and there's drama, but it's all very contained and very subtle. Mm-hmm. And they, what they do is they have uh, a panel of Japanese comedians that watch it with you. Mm-hmm. And that kind of in the interstitials explain mm-hmm. to the viewers what's happening mm-hmm. and things that through language and cultural barriers, the audience might miss Hey, this is what's going on. This is the dynamic in the house right now. What's the show called? Terrace House. Interesting. So we've gone from Queer Eye for the Straight Guy to Queer Eye, and we've talked about you know Sailor Uranus and Sailor Neptune. For both of you, what do you hope the future of queer TV looks like? Okay, yeah, I actually I know exactly what I want it to be. I want it to be just integrated into regular TV, with seamlessly. And I think a lot of shows try it and do it wrong. And there's a new show that I've watched that just really impressed me with the way that they did it and did it seamlessly. Um, It's called New Amsterdam and it's a medical show. And the psychiatrist on the show is gay and has a husband and has a daughter. And when they disclose that his character was gay, it had nothing to do with anything. He was literally having a conversation with another doctor and mentioned my husband, like anybody else would mention their spouse. And that was it. It was just a regular conversation. Like that's what I hope for the future 
of queer TV is that the queer characters are just a part of the regular storyline like everybody else. And it's not about, oh, look at this queer token person. That's what I want it to be. I like what Dawn said, like having it be like not too big of a deal. Like there are shows like she mentioned that do that. I'm not going to really want to. Okay. So there's, if you watch Sabrina, it's also on Netflix. Mm. There's a character in the show who um, transitions and they use their correct pronouns. They like, it's like a, like a two, three minute long conversation. It's like, oh, how's this person? It's like, oh, actually they go by this. It's like, oh, really? It's like, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And that's, that's, mm-hmm. like, that's how, that's how it should be. I, and I was watching with my friend. I'm just like, and he didn't, he didn't react when he was watching, but I was just kind of like, huh. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's exactly how it should be. Like, why mm-hmm. wouldn't it? That, yeah, there's a conversation. That's it. And then everyone just treated that person as normal. Whenever mm-hmm. they were introduced, they were introduced as said person, like normally. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a different um, shift in dynamic of the show in general when that person um, transitioned because, like, the character that was picking on them is no longer picking on them. They're, they're respected now. And it's just like a whole thing. Like, the, it, they show their journey from in mm-hmm. the first season, how their gender expression is, and they go to the second season. And they go more deep into it. They go mm-hmm. more about their own story and sort of transition. And it's, like, honestly really heartwarming and really thoughtful of how... Mm-hmm. And even though it wasn't, like, a big deal amongst, like, other characters, it was a big deal to have that representation in a healthy way in the show that had literally nothing to do with anything except for, like, this person being introduced as who they are. Mm-hmm. And um, for a conversation that I think those of us who have trans or non-binary people in our lives, which mm-hmm. I'm assuming everyone at this table does, mm-hmm. where we've had similar conversations mm-hmm. to that with our peer group. So being able to see what is a pretty realistic conversation of like, this person goes by this, this is now using this da- name, yeah. uses these pronouns, and then everybody else being like, yeah, okay, um, who wants to play apples to apples? Yeah, and exactly. having it just be that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I like that, and I also want to see more queer people playing queer characters. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm really still in my feelings about Jared Leto playing a trans mm-hmm. person, and like more straight guys, straight white guys playing trans actresses when they are yes. not that and don't yes. embody that in any way, shape, or form. Yes, thanks. I hate it. But I, <laughs> <laughs> yes, um. like it's like that, that. This really frustrates me, and like I get it, like. We already went through this like whole conversation about like Scarlett Johansson taking roles that she shouldn't, and mm-hmm. I think that should also be applied to cis straight white men always because uh-huh. Uh-huh. those narratives are not for you. You have no, like you could practice that role forever, and you would still not know how that person lives their life, and you could only practice that role in your own perspective. Like you get to go home, take that off, and never be that ever again if you choose not to. Like. That's your reality. Like people don't get that privilege to step out of that role. Like people have to live in that forever and be ostracized and be like arrested, be, go go through the worst things. And those people should be able to tell their stories with their own voices. And mm-hmm. I really hope that with there being more representation in like other areas, making that the sole focus when hiring actors and hiring movie mm-hmm. stars playing specific roles like that and writers yeah, and showrunners yeah. yeah yeah that makes me think like because that's so important and I know the OA got some plugs for their new season they have a trans character who they put out a call specifically for a 
trans male Asian American and people are like, you can't find somebody like that. Like you're never going to find somebody for that role. That's too specific. And they found someone amazing for their role. And they've been getting some. Also, I could point to literally dozens of people like that on my Instagram feed (laughs) right now. Yes, they exist and they can act. So you should hire people who identify that way. And then more shows like Pose that is created by the community and can actually write those stories. Because like you said, the writers, it's so important. Like there are some scenes in Pose where I've literally sat there and watched it and thought there is absolutely no way the scene would ever exist if a trans person wasn't writing it. Like, it just wouldn't. It'd be impossible because nobody would be able to relate in that way and tell that story. Absolutely. I consider it a personal defeat whenever Ryan Murphy makes something I enjoy but Pose is so good. And it's to the credit of the um, many amazing queer and trans and primarily Black and Latinx writers and um, directors who, who make that. And the actual individuals from the ball scene who mm-hmm. consulted on the show and have made it into to such a wonderful piece of television. Oh my God, everyone poses on Netflix now. You have no excuses. It's, to on, Netflix Netflix now? Now. it's on Netflix now. You have season no excuse one. not to watch it. No excuses. Uh, watch season, it before season two comes out. Which soon. season two will be out by the time this episode airs, but mm-hmm. okay, so go watch Pose. <laughs> <laughs> Don and Ashabi, thank you both so much. Uh, the last question I liked to ask uh, everyone that comes on the show and this is a question again for both of you is what do you do outside of pop culture to practice self or community care Um, mine is kind of ties in with our podcast mine is storytelling going to storytelling events participating in storytelling events it just feeds my soul um, to hear people be vulnerable and share themselves and to feel like I have space safe spaces to share myself that is something that has taken on a new role in my self-care and me feeling more grounded and feel like there are wonderful, amazing people in this world that I could go be in a space with and be comfortable sharing myself with, even if it's a group full of strangers, which is an amazing feeling to have. Um, well, when I'm not here, I'm like working in a nine-to-five job and it's incredibly exhausting so <laughs> I need to like be away from that space and when I'm not doing that I model and I photograph and basically working with like like-minded people in that area like really makes me feel so much better and working specifically with more like black artists makes me feel so much better like it's a different vibe when you walk into a room and they're playing like Lizzo and they're painting a bunch of like black women's faces with beautiful makeup which is like oh my goodness where has this been all my life like this is like exactly what I need to decompress and just not have to worry or think about anything and it's being in that environment just we feel like this warm and just very welcome and very like I don't know airy I guess like I don't have to like think about anything except for what I'm doing here and like the time I'm enjoying these people and obviously sleeping in Netflix you know, it was great. <laughs> so, that's awesome. Where can we find your modeling work? Um, so, I have two places you can go. You can go to my website, which I finished. Yay! <laughs> um, www.ashabio.com and ashabi, A-S-H-A-B-I. Or, oh, yeah. So <laughs> We'll put a link so, in the show notes. www.ashabio.com 
ashabio.com with Louis Farman modeling stuff. You can also find it on my Instagram, ashabi.oa. And I have all my stuff on there. So you can look in there and like gawk or like shame me. I don't care. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. We, we're not here for, for uh, shaming true. here. No but, shaming. Uh, <laughs> Outside of the podcast. Yeah. Don Ashabi, it has been a pleasure. Everybody go listen to Beyond Queer Stories. Uh, where can where else can people find you online? And is there anything else coming up that either of you want to plug? Pride. Yes. Pride. <laughs> I'm like every when is this gonna be? Is it gonna come out? Um, Pride Month. Is gonna be after Pride. It's probably gonna be after Pride. Hope you all had a wonderful Pride. Yeah. Please yes. stay safe if you go to any Prides this month. Next one. Stay hydrated. Oh, yeah. Stay, stay hydrated, hydrated, please. Yes. Don't talk to strangers unless they can. Please <laughs> talk to all the strangers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, yeah, just um, follow our social media because we'll be promoting stuff during our break and sending out calls for new guests and highlighting cool stuff our guests have done, um, including this podcast. So, yeah. So, check us out. And, yeah, if you haven't listened, go listen on all the podcast platforms uh, please go listen to beyond queer stories and this has been another episode of i'll be there for you we put out new episodes every other sunday to help you get rid of those sunday scaries and uh, the podcast is available on itunes stitcher spotify wherever you like to listen to podcasts uh, please like the show we're on facebook twitter instagram all at IBTFY pod and leave some sweet, sweet five-star reviews for both us and for Beyond Queer Stories. And uh, if you have any questions, feedback, if you would like to be a guest and share your equivalent of Queer Eye or Sailor Moon, you can email at I'llBeThereForYouPod at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. We'll uh, talk to you next time, and hope you all had a wonderful pride, and stay safe, stay hydrated. Bye.